Hello and welcome to another edition of Cheers PA Beer Talk. I'm your host, Mike Lintel. I am very excited to welcome in today, Laura Lacey, who is the owner of Attic Brewing in Germantown, PA. Laura, thank you so much for joining us today on the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Good morning. Good morning as well. The first question we'd like to ask everyone is just like, what is the first beer that really convinced you or got you interested in craft? Now, I know you have a home brewing background, so maybe it's one of your first brewing experiments, or is there a commercial beer that really pulled you and your husband in this direction of we want to get involved in craft, we want to know more, we want to do more with beer? The first craft beer I ever had was a Saranac Caramel Porter. So I'd say that's the beer that got me into craft beer. And then it was probably 10-ish years after drinking that beer that we decided to open a brewery. But I was out of college drinking a lot of cheap beer. And then I had this amazing tasting beer and was hooked from then on. That's really interesting that you went with that. I saw that you uh, won an award, uh, GABF Silver, for a brown ale. Is that a style that you're personally very interested in and invested in, or is that just something that you've always made well and been attracted to? Todd and I both have a history background, and he does historical reenacting, and we met doing that. We both appreciate multi-styles of beer, and the brown ale was the first beer recipe that I ever created as a home brewer. I was working at Deer Creek Malt House, and wanted to build a maltier beer, and so it's got a lot of different malts in it, has some rye in it. We submitted the beer and, and won the GABF medal for it unexpectedly, but it's a great style. And like you said, a style that not a lot of people do. So we're incredibly proud of it and enjoy it a lot. Drink it a lot. As you should. I Honestly, stylistically, the more malt, the better, in my opinion. I think that what Pennsylvania has in the malting ability and the ability to grow grain so well is such an untapped resource. So what they're doing at Deer Creek and brewers that are utilizing that, and early on, it seemed like it was always like one-off niche beers, but you're starting to see that showing up more and more in like bigger batches and bigger breweries. And I'm really excited about where they're taking uh, grain and the importance of grain, because there's only a few ingredients in beer, as you know, and the better quality ingredients you're putting into your product are going to give you a better result. So to take a little side tour here, what was it like being involved in a malting operation and seeing the process done from you know that perspective? My um, business background comes from working in retail. So when we decided to open the brewery, Todd stayed working his full-time job. And my job was to go out and learn as much as I could about operating a brewery. I thought that the malt just was the grain taken from the field and used for brewing. I had absolutely no idea. So I reached out to Mark over at Deer Creek, asked if I could come by and volunteer. And then he hired me on and I kind of dove deep into malt, learning everything about it. I did some lab testing for them, floor malting. And it's it's really interesting to learn about it, all the different varieties of barley that are exist and how different ones are better. And it was a very interesting process. I do recommend if you're not familiar with malt to learn more about it, because like you said, it's one of the four ingredients, basic ingredients in beer and, and so important. And it makes such an impact on the flavor of the beer with the quality that you're using and this, the type of malt that you're using. Absolutely. And knowing not only your farmer and where that grain is coming from, but who's malting it and the confidence that you have in the malt house that you're working with, 
instead of just opening a bag that's coming from, you know, a lot of times overseas that you know that this is Pennsylvania grain and it was malted by someone that really cares. I mean, it's not, there aren't a lot of malt houses for a reason. And so they're getting into something because they're passionate about it and the product and the grains that they're producing are incredible. So has that helped you in the crafting of your recipes, having that better understanding of different malts and where certain flavors come from and understanding just the entire process really. I mean, I saw you guys feature a a Doppelbach uh, that's what barrel fermented and just you're doing some really amazing malt forward beers. I saw you have some hazy things on there as well. And you know, that's, that's good for some people. But for me, the things that get me excited are the ones that you're really showcasing malt because you can't hide deficiencies in those beers. Like It's very difficult to make those beers well, and you're already doing that at such an early stage in your brewery opening. What do you think has been the biggest advantage to being open recently, but having the beer be something that you've been working at for 10 years, you know, so you have all of that experience under your belt. And then you started being a commercial brewer. Has that learning the go out and learn all you can about brewing? Has that approach really helped you focus in early on and allowed you to do these more complex beers and allow you to have a more robust tap list? I think it definitely has. It took four years for us to open. And for two and a half years before we opened our tap room doors, Todd and I, pretty much operated a a nano brewery out of our house. We had 40 recipes that we were crafting and perfecting at home, but we would take that beer out and put Attic Brewing Company's name on it. And most of the time, no one knew that we had brewed that beer in our house. And so it pushed us to keep working with it. And then to open a brewery and already have these recipes, we worked with a brewery consultant to learn how to scale up beer. But we also have Bogdan as our head brewer because I run like the operations and business side of it. Todd does a lot of the marketing and graphic design, but still works a full-time job. And so Bogdan is our head brewer and he worked for Trogues, Trillium, Forest in Maine, and comes from this really extensive brewing background that the three of us come together and decide what we're going to brew and how we're going to brew it. And I'd say that teamwork is really what has led to the success that we have with the beers, but we all have different preferred styles. And we understand that you have to keep that variety on the list because you want to have something for everyone. We keep 14 beers on tap. So we have a lot of room to toss in something like a barrel fermented or barrel aged Doppelbach, or we have a really great barrel fermented Pilsner on right now. We also have a very diverse customer base. Whereas we thought that everybody would come in and buy hazy IPAs and they are still top sellers for us. Our Belgian beers are probably next most popular beers that we have. Now, would you attribute that to the lack of competition in the industry for those types of beers? Or would you maybe put it more to where Bogdan worked? He's got the bona fides and you've generated some really strong recipes and you tested them in public. I saw for a while there, weren't you like working with community, just other people in the community and different organizations as fundraisers, just to, you know, almost like test your beer out in the public, but you were essentially giving it away in a way to help raise the profile for other organizations and make their events a little more fun because fundraiser with some craft beer is always a little more fun than not. So why not? And what a great way to test that stuff out. I guess the question is the Belgian beers just are underrepresented in my opinion. So you have strong beers that you've been testing out for a while. You have someone that has been working at places that is familiar with those styles, but to have that collaborative approach, that has to be very rewarding as a team to really build it out together. 
Yeah, it's a business first for us, and we have to have a marketing strategy. And for us in Germantown, we live here as neighbors, and we knew that there were a lot of people who heard that a craft brewery was coming to the neighborhood and talked a lot about the brewery being for other people. And especially these past few years, we talk a lot about the diversity within craft beer and how there's not a lot of it. And so we really felt a lot of responsibility as business owners to make sure that everyone in the neighborhood felt welcome coming here. And so what we did as our strategy was to connect with people at not recreate things and show up and be like, oh, this is what we're going to do, but to meet them like at their places. So the Juneteenth Festival, which we just poured beer at over the weekend, that was the fourth or fifth time that we had poured beer there, but we've only been open for a year and a half. So you could see like that we were going out and sampling beer and teaching people about craft beer and then raising money for the Johnson House so that people in the neighborhood had already seen us at events that they cared about and that were making an impact on the neighborhood and seeing that this is how craft beer can help support the things that they care about as well. And we still, there's a lot of people who live in our neighborhood who don't drink alcohol, but they still support us and they still talk about us and visit us. And for us, there's a lot of value with that. But Germantown is also a neighborhood that has a lot of deep poverty. There's a lot of lack of access to amenities and resources. And so every single day we meet people who are doing the hard work to better our community and our neighborhood. And we talk about going deep in our own backyard and so a lot of the money that we're raising, we donate really to Germantown. We sponsor youth athletics. We work with people who are helping returning citizens. Um, we're sponsoring uh, Northwest Victim Services that works with gun violence. And these are things that impact our community, impact us outside of our business as neighbors who live here. And so we just really see it as, as an opportunity to work together. And our mission is shared prosperity. So the more successful we are, the more we can share that success with our neighbors. And so from how we you know, raised money to open the brewery, how we pay our employees, where we hire from, the businesses that we collaborate with, the nonprofits and partners that we have, it all kind of works together. As the more successful we are, we're all successful together. Well, that's tremendous. And honestly, my producer, Salim, and I, when we were talking originally about this show, was that we wanted to showcase diversity within the industry. And as we went out and, you know, tried to showcase that, it's not there. And this state and this industry has so much work to do. And I'm glad to see things are starting to come to light that are forcing this conversation to be top of mind because for too long, it's gone on where only a few had access to ownership. And you're starting to see that it's not the case anymore, that other people want a seat at the table. And it's fair to offer the same opportunities across the board. And it's important the work that your brewery is doing, committing to your community, raising money, not only for your community, but within your community to lift up the community and to be a true asset to redevelopment in the community done the right way. Because unfortunately, my opinion is a lot of redevelopment happens where it doesn't benefit the people that live in the community. It benefits other people to come in and take over a community. So the fact that you want to put an anchor of a brewery in Germantown and make it for Germantown, all of Germantown, and are committed to that, it's tremendous work, Laura. And I have to say that we need more of that and we need your voice to be heard. It's part of the reason I wanted to have you on the program today, um, just because it's such a refreshing approach 
And I really want to see where this story goes because I feel like we're just at the beginning here. I mean, you opened your doors in January of 2020 and six weeks later, there's a global pandemic. So how did that force Attic Brewing to reevaluate their business plan and how did you make it work through that time? It was absolutely crazy. Anybody who has ever taken on a large project or opened a business or set a goal for themselves and you get there. And Todd and I were very, we had construction delays and we were just so excited to have the brewery open. And we opened in January and we, we made the best of that. It's not really the best time to open a business. So we were so excited for that. And we were broke. Every dollar we had, like, went into opening. So then eight weeks later, we're having these conversations. And for us, you know, you kind of like, you just push yourself so hard to reach this goal. And it was so much more challenging than we ever thought. But then we looked at each other, you know, somewhere around probably the first or second week of March and had to make a decision. Like, do we kind of settle back down and, and kind of wait for it to pass? Or do we continue to grow the business knowing that we were going to have to kind of start all over again with a, a new plan and to push through? And we kind of said, like, we just got open. There's no way we're closing this business. And so we had to immediately pivot to canning the beer, which was not part of the plan. So within two or three days, I had to do a ton of research on how to package the beer and at the same time, everybody, every one of the 8,000 breweries in the country are trying to, to package their beer. We ordered a canning line that did not come until December of 2020. So what we did was we bought a hand seamer, the same thing you would use as a home brewer. And we hand canned 75,000 cans last year through the draft system, one oh, at really? a time. Can you say that again? You hand canned 75,000 cans last year. Through the draft system. Holy yes. cow. Hand labeling and everything. Like literally handcrafted beer. Like you can't get more of your labor into each can and nothing was going to deter you or Todd and your team. You just, you had a vision and you stuck with it. And now as things are starting to open back up, are you seeing all of that investment both in making it through that pandemic as well as all the community efforts that you put in previous and since then, are, is that coming back to you in terms of just the loyalty and the support? Like you're building a true community brewery there in Germantown. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we are so grateful to our amazing team that switched from bartenders to, produ you know, like production workers overnight and then continuing now to jump back into being bartenders again. We really do have an amazing team and we see that through the amazing reviews that we get online. We see it through you know, our high ranking on untapped, see it through, you know, GABF medals and support. But yes, we do see it through people coming and visiting the brewery, telling their friends. Anytime anybody comes, we, you know, we're so grateful and we thank them. And if for some reason there is something that goes wrong, we, we try to fix it right away. And I really believe that that's how build like a long-term sustainable business about having those relationships. And there's, there are some moments where we get to step back and Many times Todd and I can look around the beer garden and know almost every single person's name. And that's the kind of service that we have here and the kind of relationship that we build with people. And then when they pitch ideas like, oh, I'm in a band, can my, you know, can we play music? Or, oh, I'm an artist and I see you're doing murals. Can I be a part of that? Um, we really try to 
you know, involve people in it and make them feel like this is their spot. And uh, I think, you know, we're really grateful and hope that we can continue to have a successful brewery. Well, I'd say you're off to a great start. If you have a brand new 8,000 square foot beer garden that you just put in and you can look around and already know all the people in there, like the word of mouth from that is going to continue to grow and continuing to get your story out there. I am very confident. I saw that you're located right off of Septa Station. So in terms of access to all of Philadelphia, um, and it just plays into what you're talking about earlier and being for everyone, like literally you are right there. You can be accessed. You don't need a car. You can just, and it's better if you don't have a car because it's better for the planet. I saw that you and your brewery care deeply about just sustainability in the outdoors. And I know you had some lofty goals for sustainability early on. And I'm sure as things continue to normalize, you'll be getting back into that. But where does Addict's commitment to just the environment and being a good steward of the land in your neighborhood, like where does that come from? Is that just something that you and Todd had personally, or was it a collective decision when we opened this business, we want it to stand for more than just it's a brewery? We, our brewery um, idea started when we went to the Craft Brewers Conference in 2016, it was here in Philadelphia. And we went to this really cool event about B Corps um, and, talked to them and, and did a lot of research on how to become a B Corp. So I think that helped shape how we set up our mission and our goals. But Todd works for the National Park Service. We met through working for the National Park Service and we love traveling and, and seeing all this, you know, these amazing, you know, natural landscapes and we enjoy camping and, and traveling. So I think, and with, you know, global warming and, all the changes that are happening to the planet, you know, we feel like as a business, we should be a part of helping to move in the right direction. It is, it's so hard and no one is, we are not perfect in any way. And we have a lot of things that we need to work on and improve. Um, but even small steps, like not serving out of plastic, especially right now with the pandemic, everything is throwaway. Um, so we've, we've never served out of a plastic cup and we have a great relationship with world centric who does you know, hooks us up with our disposable, compostable glassware. But we really just try to, you know, set an example. And I think it's something too that our employees also share that same value. So if they know that they're working for a business that works that way, they feel good about it. Absolutely. Well, I applaud you in all of your efforts. I think that it's really important what you're doing, both for the environment, your community, um, and just continuing conversations that need to be had. Um, to pivot slightly, I want to ask about Metal Monday. Where did <laughs> I just, I love it. Um, I lived in Chicago for a little bit and it seemed like the Midwest was just like overrun with metal breweries and like you had to be super metal and like there was Surly and Three Floyds and everyone was like trying to out metal one another. And then I came here and it was just like all peaceful and like, and, there's, and so I'm glad to see a little bit of metal making its way into like the brewing culture. Um, so where did Metal, Mon uh, Metal Monday come from in uh, Attic Brewing? That's a Todd thing. Um, you know, we wrote the business plan and put a lot of stuff in there. And Todd would always be like, don't forget Metal Monday. And, I'm, and it was always like a running joke, like, all right, it's on there. And we do pitch, you know, we were ra raising money and we'd pitch, it, pitch ideas to investors. And he'd always drop in like, oh, and Metal Mondays. <laughs> and so when we opened, it was 
I, we said it like you could try this out, but if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And it works. So um, we have some Todd is a genuine metal fan, which it's not fake. It's not like a gimmicky thing. He's he's true diehard metal fan. And um, he has, you know, a, a nice group of people who continue to come on Mondays who also enjoy metal music. So. Are there any genres of metal that are too metal for Attic Brewing? Or is it literally like, I need two hands because I it's too much metal for one hand and we're just going to rot. Like, no metal is too much metal. There's, I don't know what this, I don't even know where the metal comes from. It's like Norwegian black metal. Oh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> you're going full metal. All right. That's all we need. Full metal. Yeah. So that's what I mean. It's, it's not Metallica. It is like full metal. And Awesome. Um. We actually have a, quite a few members of metal bands who come. Um, Ron, uh, Ron Kaiser, they're like, we, they're great people. And uh, he's been kind of curating the playlist the last few Mondays because we needed someone to help us out. But we, uh, it's, it's the real deal. Awesome. And we'll be pouring beer at the Decibel Metal and Beer Festival in September. That's coming back. So, yep. Well, that's good to know. Um, so I'm guessing that on your website, people can find, you know, events that you have coming up. I saw that you have a wide range of musical acts as well as a comedy night. Um, so that's a great place. I'm guessing to keep up with all of your uh, upcoming events. Um, speaking of the playlist, are there any artists that are not allowed to be played on a brew day or is, do you have an eclectic listening, uh, arrangement or is it is it all metal all the time on brew days as well so bogdan brews the beer and i think sometimes it's a race to get into the brew house like whoever gets there first picks the music so it's usually him um <laughs> and he i'd say he has a pretty eclectic taste of music it's not sometimes it's metal but it's you know it's kind of anything i'd say pop music is probably the only thing that doesn't usually get played at Attic brewing company but. Okay, no pop music at Attic <laughs> Brewing. Very cool. Unless it's like 80s or 90s pop music, then th then you'll hear those. Absolutely, as you should, but you know, not on Mondays. Um, <laughs> so take me back to those early home brewing days. And can you give us a story of like a great brewing failure or a lesson that you learned that ended up is just like, oh man, I can't believe I'm I'm literally wearing like I blew a gasket or like Anything along the way that's just a great story that you still think about is your journey to now being a professional. So when we were, um, we had the location for the brewery. We're brewing out of our house here in Germantown doing these events. We would brew sometimes three times a day and we would run two consecutive homebrew systems at the same time. Um, and so in the summer, we don't have central air conditioning. And the only place that we had a window unit was our bedroom. So we'd be fermenting 14 beers in our bedroom <laughs> at the same time. And uh, there was a day that we came home and six of the lids of the buckets had blown off during fermentation. And there was hop and yeast all over our bedroom, the ceiling, the walls, the carpet, everywhere. And that was a pretty regular thing for us. I'd say that's, we still see those memories because there's like stains and <laughs> stuff that just won't come up. So it, it was absolutely wild. But the, it was literally wild. was wild. 
But the flip side of that is you got to go to sleep almost every night to the soft bubbling of airlock, <laughs> which is just so therapeutic. I don't know about you, but anytime I put a batch away, I just I can't wait for it to start bubbling. And I just can sit there and sometimes you just want to fall asleep to a bubbling airlock. But I guess oh. that just makes me weird. Um, so you had a really successful online funding campaign. And I think that, you know, you see a lot of people that try that. What really stood out to me was that you took the approach of offering a return on the investment, which you don't necessarily see. How was that? Uh, how did that impact your approach? And is that would you attribute all the success to that? Or was there other factors that really drove how wildly successful your online fundraising campaign was? Again, uh, we did a lot of research. So when uh, we looked up breweries and how they raised money, um, the, we looked at the donation-based platforms first and no one raised over $30,000. And so we learned like, it's just not gonna happen. Um, and so during that search, we came across a couple of companies that did this um, you know, investment platform and uh, we connected with WeFunder, um, talked to them about our business and kind of, we had a, this six month campaign um, and it was extremely hard. We're, like I said, we would be brewing at least twice, almost every single day, um, both, both of us working jobs and then still trying to do events. We had a day where we did I don't know, three or four events in one day. And you're just like hauling kegs and moving stuff around. So it definitely wasn't easy, um, but we kind of like dug deep to get it done. Um, but we learned a lot about the business along the way too. So early days learning how to market things, how to social media accounts, um, email newsletters, we were doing all of that, which helped us today. Uh, I think it was a new thing so that was exciting that we were the first brewery to open investing to anybody in Philadelphia. And then the investing started as at as little as $100. So it was very approachable. It wasn't, you know, you have to be, you know, uber wealthy to, to be an investor. So it was a lot of just like regular people. And the return that you get isn't, I made it very clear, no one's going to become a millionaire from this. Um, but it was more about just joining us on the journey. And I think 2020 was insane. And we're so grateful because when things got really hard, we had these investors to just, they would just, someone would just drop us an email and be like, you're doing a great job and we're so proud of you. And it was like, oh my gosh, like, thank you so much. It was what, you know, like what you needed to hear that day. Um, but we're Absolutely. And yeah. slow money. I, I believe in it. I think it's the way to get real change and real businesses done because it's a grassroots movement that you've built. They believe in you and they're invested in you. It's not they're investing in money. So I think that everything that you've done to get here is tremendous. And I would love for everyone to go and check it out. I can't wait for the next time I'm down in Philly to come check your brewery out. So if you're in Germantown or coming through there, check out Attic Brewing, uh, atticbrewing.com. Uh, check them out on Instagram and other social media platforms. Laura, is there anything else you want to promote? I know you have that brand new 8,000 square foot beer garden that's just waiting for all of these people to come check it out. So please don't miss it. Uh, yeah. Laura, anything else you'd like to add today? No, just thank you so much. And if you're taking a trip out, please come visit us in Germantown. We've got a cool tap room and beer garden, lots of 
variety of beer on tap and lots of cool events all summer. Absolutely. True labor of love. Laura Lacey, thank you so much for joining us. The owner of Attic Brewing in Germantown, PA. Have a wonderful day and we really appreciate you coming out today. Thank you. Now we're going to switch over real quick and do our monthly beer review. Uh, this month we are promoting Funk Brewing Citrus. I mean, look at that label. You can't miss these four packs. They are incredibly fun, borderline groovy label. Uh, it's a year-round hazy West Coast IPA brewed with grapefruit juice. So wonderful summertime. It's bright. It's refreshing. It's got a nice hop structure uh, featuring Simcoe and Mosaic. Uh, the thing that I really like about it is surprisingly crushable at 6%. Uh, you don't really get yourself in too much trouble or notice how much uh, you've got going on there. So it's a wonderful beer. If you're looking for something to switch off the lager life for a little bit, check out Funk Brewing Citrus. You'll find it at Wise Markets, our dear friends at Wise Markets. Thank you so much for making this happen today. We really appreciate having Laura Lacey from Attic Brewing again. We are tremendously impressed with what they've got going on there and really excited to see where their story continues to go. As for me, my story's over, so we will see you next time on Cheers PA Beer Talk.